The world of football went into a state of shock when it was announced that Mino Raiola had passed away. The super agent was only 54 years old and he represented top-level players from across the globe, such as Slatan Ibrahimovic, Paul Pogba, Erling Haaland, Gianluigi Donnarumma, Mario Balotelli and Matthijs de Ligt. In the world of football, people either loved Mino Raiola or they hated him. There didn't seem to be a middle ground. In the media, he was often criticized by journalists, managers, football clubs or fans. Much of that was down to the amount of money he made and how difficult he made it for some clubs before agreeing the terms of a transfer or a new contract for one of his clients. But one thing was for sure. Mino Raiola's players loved him and he fought for them. Mino Raiola will probably go down as the most successful agent in the history of football. But not much is known about how he became a super agent and how he worked behind the scenes with his players, from his first small deals up until his first millions. Mino Raiola started from nothing in the Netherlands. I spoke with six different people who knew or have worked with Mino Raiola, from his teenage years in his parents' Italian restaurant in the Netherlands, up until when he was the world's most famous football agent, to paint you the picture of who Mino Raiola really was behind the scenes and how he became a mogul in the world of football. My name is Sam Verraten and welcome to the home of football. They started arguing during the negotiations. We, we looked at Mino, what's going on, and Mino was getting more and more furious. So uh, that was the first time I saw Mino's temperament. Don't mess with him. Uh, we were real, real, real great friends. We just hang out at uh, Palladium uh, uh, most of the times, which was a very famous uh, uh, bar because of beautiful girls and a lot of football players. And Mino was there with me on the terrace and he was talking 80% of the time explaining life to me. Now I think about it, I was 19, he was 29. He also didn't know anything, right? But, 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 he, but he was really, really convinced. So I said to Mino, why don't you arrange an interview with Mario Balotelli for me? And I knew it was a strange question because Mario Balotelli never gave an interview. Mino said, okay, why not? I arrange an interview for you. You tell me when you want to go. You only have to go to AC Milan and say, I come to your club. We had negotiations for uh, the renewal of my contract. You know, everything was, was okay. But then there was an added bonus in the contract. Me and my father didn't know about it. And then he said very shortly, I told you back then that I would fix it. We, we didn't have to worry too much about the financial because that's his job. And he did his job. What he did, he was the best, I think. Uh, I can tell you that Zlatan Ibrahimovic, for example, in the last few days, uh, even if it's a fantastic moment for us in Milan on the pitch, they are top of the table in Serie A, but Zlatan is destroyed by this Mina Raiola news. Really destroyed. He's never speaking in the dressing room. Um, or also that many other players are really suffering by the situation. Mino Raiola was born in Nocera Inferiore, in the south of Italy, close to the city of Naples, in 1967. A year later, his parents moved to the Netherlands, where Mino grew up in the city of Haarlem, close to Amsterdam. His father was an entrepreneur who ran several Italian restaurants, and he was very busy. Mino wanted to get to know his father a bit better, so he started working in the family's Italian restaurant in Haarlem, called Ristorante Napoli. He started off by doing the dishwashing, before moving up as a waiter. His family worked hard, and so did Mino. Every guest who entered the restaurant was treated like family. Mino even made personalized menus for regular guests. He was a good talker, 
For example, if a guest went through a recent tough divorce, Mino would take the guest aside for a good talk. When he was in high school, Mino also started helping with the organization of the restaurant. Mino was his parents' eldest son and he spoke Dutch better than they did, so he helped them in organizing and negotiating deals. He loved helping his parents this way and he became good at it too. David Ent worked at Ajax Amsterdam, the Netherlands' most successful club, for several decades. He met Mino Raiola for the first time in Ristorante Napoli in the early 80s, when Raiola was still only a teenager. This is how David remembers the young Mino Raiola from back then. Remembering Mino Raiola brings me back uh, many, many years. Uh, I think he was 16 and I was uh, just over 30 when I first met him. And that was at a, at a restaurant, Ristorante Napoli in Harlem. Well, uh, Ristorante Napoli was a, just a decent uh, Italian restaurant. You can't call it a pizzeria because they served normal dinners as well. But one of the spe- uh, specialities was actually the pizza. And, you know, it was just the, the typical uh, dressed up Italian restaurant with a Small tables, nice atmosphere, Italian music. It was very cozy. It was, a, you know, the little dimmed lights and you felt at ease down there. And I was there to meet somebody uh, from, from football. Uh, while talking with the, the owner of the, of the restaurant, he presented his son. And he said, this is Mino. He was uh, studying when I met him. He was uh, working hard at school. And uh, he was very good in uh, economics. And he helped in the, in the restaurant for uh, administrative uh, reasons. And uh, Mino sat down with us. He was 16 years old. And uh, he started talking, talking football. And there was so much enthusiasm in his uh, talking and uh, his presence that everybody knew he's a, he's a man, he's a guy who, who loves football. Later on, Mino Raiola started studying law for a couple of years. But when he was only 18 years old, he also started his own business called Intermezzo. The company helped other Dutch businesses that had to deal with Italian suppliers. For example, he helped Dutch flower seed traders. A year later, he bought a local McDonald's and subsequently sold it to a property developer. This deal turned him into a millionaire. Mino then shifted his attention to his biggest love and passion, football. He quit his law studies before briefly becoming a board member at a local professional football club in Haarlem. He even tried to sign Dennis Bergkamp and set up a partnership between Haarlem and his beloved Napoli. But his big breakthrough came in the early 90s. At the time, Italy's Serie A was the biggest, most lucrative football league in the world. Every player wanted to go there. In the 90s, Rob Janssen was the biggest football agent in the Netherlands. And he was looking for a translator who could help him complete some deals for his players with Italian clubs. That resulted in Mino Raiola becoming his translator. They went on to do a lot of deals together in the early 90s, including the transfers of talented Ajax players like Dennis Bergkamp, Wim Jonk, Brian Roy and Marciano Vink to clubs in Italy. Here's Marciano Vink on how he met Mino Raiola and how the man helped him with his transfer from Ajax to Genoa in 1993. I was playing at uh, Ajax and I was at the end of my contract. My agent was uh, Rob Janssen and Mino was the first one to translate for Rob uh, during the negotiations. And uh, well, my transfer was also in Italy. So he asked Mino again to translate and 
Mino went along, and so that was the first time I met uh, I met Mino Raiola. Mino is a very proud South Italian kind of guy, and the first time I heard about the difference between North Italy and South Italy was uh, at the, the meeting with the president of uh, Genoa. And he's a real typical North Italian guy, Emino from the South. They started arguing during the negotiations and we were like, oh, what, are, what are they talking about? And we thought it was the Italian temperament. But they were really arguing and they were really talking things about the North and the South. So um, <laughs> in the end, Rob and I, we, we, we looked at Mino, what's going on. And Mino was getting more and more furious. And then he explained a little bit what the president said and what he said. And we were like, okay, now you have to cut it out. You know, you have to stop it. Otherwise, uh, things will escalate and maybe we don't have a deal in the end. So uh, that was the first time I saw Amino's temperament and uh, his proudness of being a South Italian guy. And uh, yeah, don't mess with him. In the end, uh, Genoa, uh, they came along and they really wanted me and the salary was good. So we signed a three-year deal and Mino uh, was asked by Rob Janser to stay with me and to help me along, get settled and uh, to, to arrange everything for me in Genoa. So Mino stayed for three months at my house. Uh, we were real, real, real great friends. He, he would pick me up at uh, the airport. Uh, didn't matter what time. We were laughing. We, we, we had such a great time. And he is uh, such a uh, warm guy. And uh, yeah, we was just silly things, you know. And he helped me out uh, quite a lot. And Mino was a guy who loved good food. So we, we had uh, dinners at restaurants. He was sleeping at my place. So he was a real close, close friend. You see, Mino Raiola was never impressed by the people who held power in the world of football. He thought the world of football was incestuous, flooded with former football players lacking any managerial experience in positions of power at the football clubs. But he saw the financial potential in the game. Mino Raiola became very close with the players he worked with when he started out as a translator for football agents like Rob Janssen. But Mino also knew how to take care of himself. Marciano Vink has a funny story that illustrates that perfectly. Mino was the kind of guy, you know, he was a, a translator. And normally the translator would arrange everything for the agent. So he uh, also arranged the, the hotel rooms. But one time uh, he did arrange the hotel rooms and they got the key and uh, Mino went to his room and the agent went to uh, to uh, also his room. And then um, in the end, they had an appointment for dinner at eight o'clock. So the agent was waiting downstairs eight o'clock. But who did it show up? Mino. So he let the receptionist phone to the room, but he didn't answer. So the agent asked, okay, what kind of, what, uh, what is the number? You know, the room number. So the agent went up. And uh, Mino opened the door and the room of uh, Mino was uh, three times the size of the room of the agent. So you can imagine that the agent wasn't too happy about uh, about that. So Mino arranged for himself the, the penthouse suites <laughs> and for the agent a, a regular room. So that was also Mino. He had, uh, you know, he, he, he had a fun character, but also a guy, you know, who could also take care of himself. So... Yeah, Mino is a, is a funny guy and um, yeah, he will be missed. Mino Raiola was successful as a translator and soon started his own business as a football agent. 
This meant he had to find his own way to connect with players, to find new clients. Rodi Terpijn was an upcoming talent at Ajax in the late 90s when Mino Raiola approached him to become his agent. Here's Rodi on how Mino convinced him to work with him. I just um, made my debut in the first team of uh, Ajax and there were a lot of uh, managers who wanted to talk to me and Mino was one of them. When he came uh, to visit me and my um, parents, he convinced us to uh, yeah, to work with him. He's a very authentic uh, uh, person uh, or personality maybe even. Most of all, uh, the way he connects uh, to people. So not only uh, to me, but also to my parents. Um, and I think... His genuine interest in who we were as a family uh, and how our, our system as a family uh, worked and being uh, a son of uh, parents who are uh, very protective. The interest there uh, in that and making sure that everyone feels comfortable, uh, that made him um, uh, convince us. We had a lot of uh, times that we just hang out at Palladium uh, uh, most of the times, which was a very famous uh, bar because of beautiful girls and a lot of football players. And Mina was there with me on the terrace and all meetings were like, he was talking 80% of the time, explaining life to me. Now I think about it, I was 19, he was 29. He also didn't know anything, right? But 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 he, but he was really, really convinced. And he was always talking on the uh, phone and then uh, um, most of the time in Italian. And uh, and then he came back to sit uh, uh, down, smoke a cigarette, tell me uh, uh, how things uh, work. He felt like a uh, family. So Mino Raiola showed a lot of interest in the family dynamics of the players he approached and worked with. And not only that, he also became a sort of extended family for the players in his own way. But after a while, Rodi Terpijn found himself benched on a regular basis at Ajax and therefore needed to find a new club. Mino Raiola got to work. Rodi's former agent was very close to Ajax and wanted to protect his relationship with the club. Mino was different. He didn't care about his relationships with clubs. All he cared about was getting the best deal for his client. When Rodi wanted to leave Ajax, he received an offer from the Graafschap, a smaller club in the Netherlands. Here's Rodi on how the negotiations went down. Mino was, he was very strong in his beliefs that I could add something extra to every club. Uh, and because he was convinced, he could negotiate from a, a very strong uh, angle. Uh, in his, uh, uh, at least in his opinion, we sat down with uh, with the president of the uh, of the club, uh, the Graafschap, at the Mercure Hotel along a, a highway, and um, we were uh, negotiating. And uh, Mino said, uh, "Okay, uh, uh, this is what he has to earn." And then the president said, "No, I think uh, this is much more uh, realistic number." And then Mino just said, "Okay, Rodi." get up we're leaving because this is um, th- this is not what we're uh, here for so i as a uh, 90 year old boy i just stood up followed him uh president called us back we went back i followed mino again and this went on for several uh, uh times until we we got <laughs> we got a deal and i was just i was the subject uh, of that meeting but i didn't take part during the whole uh, uh, conversation because he took care of everything then eventually i got a deal which was way better than uh, than I had at uh, Ajax, uh, which was remarkable because uh, the Graafschap was, I think, number 15 or 14 uh, of the league. 
And he also negotiated on all kinds of secondary benefits, uh, health insurance and uh, stuff like this. Cars, instead of leasing, uh, uh, leasing it for free. All those things were, were also thousands of euros uh, that I got in those negotiations. Housing, which also uh, made a lot of uh, uh, difference uh, back then. Uh, so, yeah, that was really, that was really nice. It was really, it was also really fun. And also thinking about it is really fun. How that, you could call it a play, how that play uh, uh, evolved. Yeah. Mino Raiola's first big international deal was Pavel Netvet's transfer from Sparta Prague to Lazio Roma in 1996. Raiola described Netvet's work ethic as extreme, and he would tell all his clients they should strive to train as hard as Netvet did. He later helped Netvet secure a transfer from Lazio to Juventus where Netvet would go on to win the Ballon d'Or. At that point, Raiola was the agent of the world's best football player. When Zlatan Ibrahimovic came to Ajax in the early 2000s, the Swedish striker was looking for a new agent. He was introduced to Mino Raiola. The two of them, both sons of immigrants, immediately bonded. Raiola soon helped Ibrahimovic transfer from Ajax to Juventus. Step by step, Mino Raiola had become the most famous agent in the world of football. He never dressed fancy because he liked to be underestimated by the people he had to negotiate with. That was a lesson he learned back in his father's restaurant. Back then, a man who was poorly dressed wanted to take a seat. And so, young Mino Raiola wanted to send him away. Mino's father disagreed with him. He explained that everyone should be able to get a meal at their restaurant. The man then proceeded to order food worth hundreds of euros. It turned out that this man was actually very wealthy. Mino's father nodded at Mino, and it was at that point that the young boy quickly learned that appearances don't matter. One of Mino Raiola's key secrets as an agent was the way in which he bonded with his players, how invested he was in their personal lives and their families, and how he became a part of their family himself. But he also always kept an eye out for upcoming talents, especially in the Netherlands, and in particular at Ajax's talent factory. Fabian Sporkslede was an upcoming talent at Ajax in 2009 when his father was approached by Mino Raiola. Here's Fabian and how Mino Raiola approached him. The first time uh, I met Mino was, was with my family. He, he first approached my father that he was interested to guide me uh, in my career. So uh, he took us uh, for dinner in his Italian restaurant with my father, my mother and my brother. Yeah, it was a very nice night. Also because, yeah, he was a special person, not somebody you you get in in contact with like every day. Yeah, that was like the first meeting we had. Yeah, Mino was always asking me like, how is it at school? How is it uh, with the girls? And um, he knew that I was like, when I was already young, that I was, uh, yeah, in, in relationships. And he was always like, enjoy your life, you know, you're young. And so when I yeah broke up with my first ex-girlfriend, he said, this is not a problem. You know, it's good. Now you can finally enjoy. And I think a couple of weeks after I said I met already a new, <laughs> a new girl. And he was like, oh, there we go again. And then um, I think like a couple of weeks after he called me and he said, come by to my house in Harlem and take the girl with you. And I was like, I was a little bit nervous, you know, because I was maybe 17, 18 years old. I, I thought like, <laughs> this is, this is going to be uh, interesting. And uh, I took her with me and we, we, we talked um, 
at his house. I was like expecting him to ask a bunch of critical questions, but it was not like that. It was like really, really fun. And then we left a lot. And then um, I think the next day he sent me a message like, uh, not bad. And I was like, okay, when he says that, that means a lot, you know? So, uh, yeah, that was, that was uh, how, how he was like uh, involved and then, uh, yeah, really, really interested in my life. This is yet another example of how Mino Raiola became invested in the personal lives of his players. But let's go back to the football part. When Fabian was 15 and became eligible to sign his first contract as a professional football player, his club Ajax wanted to give him his first contract. But there were also a lot of other clubs interested in his services. One of them was Chelsea. They really, really wanted to sign Fabian. So, here's Fabian on how Mino handled the situation. One of the, the teams that were interested was Chelsea. And um, they were very serious, uh, you know, they, they uh, made an offer, they invited me to come to London. And me and my parents, we didn't know how to, to handle all of that. And um, with Mino's guidance, he told me and my parents to go, uh, because first I got an invite to go with him. But he said, like, it's better to go with your parents because I know how close you are. That's the best way to get a feeling. Yeah, how you feel uh, uh, about the club and about this opportunity. So um, I went with my parents one weekend to London and we had a great time. Um, and uh, afterwards, uh, I had a game with Ajax. And uh, after we, we met with my grandparents at my grandparents' house to discuss how everything went. And yeah, I told them I was very impressed, of course, because... Uh, It's very impressive if you if you see uh, facilities of Chelsea, the stadium and everything. So I told him that and I, he was like, but wh what does your feeling say? And I was like, yeah, uh, it's also my dream to play in uh, the first team of Ajax. And I'm still young also. So, so then, yeah, we just discussed everything. And it was like my father asked him, like, but financial is also important. So, you know, how should we, you know, think about that? And he was like, don't worry about that. You know, financially, that, that's my job. But it's more important how you feel and, you know, what's, what is your, um, yeah, what's for you the best choice to make. So in the end, I, I stayed with Ajax and, uh, you know, I, I had a great time and, After three years, there was negotiations for, for my second contract with Ajax. It was still my dream to play in the first team for Ajax. When we, were, we had negotiations for uh, the renewal of my contract, you know, everything was, was okay. But then there was an added bonus in the contract and, and me and my father didn't know about it. And then he said very shortly, I told you back then that I would fix it. And it was like... Now we understand that he said, like, we, we didn't have to worry too much about the financial because that's his job. And he did his job. What he did, he was the best, I think. When I read the news uh, about him passing away on that day, I was, like, thinking about all the memories. And, and now I realize how special it was um, that he was, like, for eight, nine years, like, a big part of my career and, and also in my life. It was, uh, yeah... It was it was special, and I'm really grateful that uh, yeah that I that I have those memories. But yeah, I think he he left uh, uh, a great legacy, 
he had people around him who will carry it and um yeah i think he will always re- will be remembered especially for the players over the last couple of years, Mino Raiola mainly made headlines for arranging massive deals for players like Paul Pogba, Matthijs de Ligt and Mario Balotelli. Quite impressively, Raiola spoke seven different languages fluently. Italian, Dutch, English, Spanish, Portuguese, French and German. He traveled the world for more than 300 days a year. During these trips, he would visit clubs because he wanted to know everything about the clubs he negotiated with. Their internal politics, financial situations, the power the manager did or didn't have. The price he paid for his work ethic, he said, was the fact that he didn't get to see his children grow up. But he was everything to his players. One day, when Mario Balotelli accidentally set his house on fire, the first person he called was Mino Raiola. Raiola then suggested Balotelli should immediately call the fire department. However, Mino Raiola was ruthless when it came to criticizing managers, football directors, FIFA and UEFA. He even took on people like Sir Alex Ferguson, Pep Guardiola and Johan Cruyff. Sir Alex Ferguson went as far as calling him a shitbag once. Raiola despised journalists who reported false information about his clients. But if Raiola liked you, he would take care of you. Willem Vissers is a renowned sports journalist from the Netherlands. He writes for a left-wing newspaper called De Volkskrant. So it was not a given that he would have a special bond with a super capitalist like Mino Raiola. Although they did end up fostering a warm relationship. When Willem was working on a project about football players of several nationalities, he once jokingly asked Mino Raiola if he could help him get an interview with Mario Balotelli. This resulted in a brilliant story. Here's Willem on what happened there. I said to him, you know, why don't you arrange an interview with Mario Balotelli for me? And I knew it was a strange question because Mario Balotelli never gave an interview. There was one interview with him in, I think it was Sports Illustrated. There was one one big interview. He showed me that one beautiful interview with him in Sports Illustrated where he is in the swimming pool and they put a, 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 a glass in the water and he stands on the water. So it's very nice to see. Balotelli stands on the water. It was, in fact, his one only big interview. Minu said, okay, why not? I arrange an interview for you. You tell me when you want to go. You only have to go to AC Milan and say, I come to your club. Because AC Milan wants uh, to know when reporters come to Milanello. So I sent an email to the press manager of AC Milan. I said, I have an appointment with Mr. Balotelli and I come then and then and then. Then the press chief sent me an email back, you cannot come to uh, Milanello because Balotelli never gives an interview. I said, but I have an appointment with Mino Raiola and Mino Raiola says that I'm welcome to do the interview with Balotelli. So, okay, the manager said, the press manager said, okay, then you come, but when Balotelli is not there, it's not my fault. I said, okay, I come. So I went with a photographer, one of the best photographers of the newspaper. I went to Milan and we sat and have dinner and then Mino talk, uh, called us the evening before the interview. So I already was afraid. <sighs> there is a problem. Balotelli is not there tomorrow. What will happen? But Mino only said, is the food nice? How is your hotel? Everything is arranged tomorrow, two o'clock. You're welcome to interview Balotelli. Next day, I go to Milanello with the photographer. We come there and the press chief says, oh, you came. I already told you. He doesn't give an interview Why you're here. I said, I have an appointment. I wait here for Mr. Bellatelli till he's showered after training. Then I have the interview. I said, okay, watch the doors, 
watch the doors because maybe he will leave. Now, and then at the end, Balotelli came. He was very nice. He shook hands with me. He had beautiful clothes on. He laughed. He was very nice to the photographer, which was a woman and very nice. Uh, they, they made uh, beautiful pictures. He had an interview with me after five or 10 or 20 minutes. The press chief of AC Milan, who was sitting in the same room, he said, now it's over. Stop the interview. It's enough. And Balotelli said, no, no, no. He's a Dutch reporter. He's coming from Holland for, all, for the interview with me. I gave him the time. I gave him a three quarter or an hour the time. It doesn't matter to me. So I was very surprised. I was very glad with my interview. It was a nice interview. I went home. We had beautiful pictures. We had a nice story. And later I heard that somebody told me, I don't know exactly who it was, that there was a reason that Balotelli was so nice to me. And the reason was that Balotelli couldn't go uh, on with his money. He earned a lot of money. And he was he came from very poor circumstances, and he gave away a lot of money. Sometimes he, for example, he gave uh, I think five thousand euros in Manchester, five thousand pounds, to a street musician. And then everybody said, "You are crazy! Why do you give five thousand pounds to a street musician?" And then Balotelli says, "I earn about five thousand every day with football, so why should I not give five thousand pounds?" to a street musician. So he has one day in his life that he earns 5,000 pounds, which I do every day. So for me, it's not a problem to give it. For him, it's a big present. So that sort of stories, it was very nice. I thought Balotelli was a very nice guy, although he had some problems in, the, in football itself. But uh, so at the end, they told me he wanted to buy a new car. He had a lot of cars and he wanted to buy a new car, a very expensive car. But Royola was the boss of his money because Balotelli gave all the money away. So he asked to Royola, am I allowed to buy that big, nice new car? Royola said, okay, you may buy the car if you are very nice to the Dutch reporter who will come next week to Milanello. <laughs> so that was, I think, a very nice story. And I didn't check it after it because I thought this is such a nice story. I don't go and check it. But now I'm a little bit sad that I didn't check that story with Royola because now he's dead. And uh, in fact, I, I want to know it. But at that time, I thought it is such a beautiful story. I have time enough in my life to check it. But you never have time enough in your life. Mino Raiola was truly a unique character in the world of football. He often said that UEFA and FIFA were mob-like organizations. But he didn't shy away from that image himself. After earning a hefty commission on Paul Pogba's transfer from Juventus to Manchester United, Mino Raiola made headlines once again after buying the former home of Mabba's El Capone in Miami for $9 million. Mino Raiola also partnered with other super agents such as Jorge Mendes and Jonathan Barnett in 2019 to start an international movement of player agents who wanted to challenge FIFA. Raiola wanted to change the world of football and had all kinds of ideas about doing that. Meanwhile, he still liked washing dishes in his home in Monaco, just like when he was working in his parents' restaurant. It helped him calm down. Sadly, Mino Raiola passed away at the age of 54 after suffering from a serious lung condition. In his obituary, the Gazzetta dello Sport in Italy wrote that he was the best, the most powerful and most discussed football agent in the world. 
Here's transfer expert Fabrizio Romano on what Mino Raiola's legacy will be in the transfer world. Mino Raiola was a game changer. The relationship he had with his players was, was something incredible. The real secret of Mino Raiola was the relationship with his players. They were not just clients, uh, they were more than friends. Uh, I can tell you that Zlatan Ibrahimovic, for example, in the last few days, uh, even if it's a fantastic moment for AC Milan on the pitch, they are top of the table in Serie A, but Zlatan is destroyed by this Mino Raiola news, really destroyed. He's never speaking in the dressing room. Um, or also that many other players are really suffering by the situation, the relationship they had with Mino, uh, the day-by-day relationship, how he built their careers, but how they built the relationship with people was something incredible. Uh, in my personal experience, Mino's always been a gentleman, honestly. Uh, it happened many times to meet with him in the center of Milano. Uh, I still remember once when he was negotiating with Juventus and Manchester United for the comeback of Paul Pogba. Uh, I had the opportunity to have an exclusive video of Mino negotiating with Juventus to complete the deal, but he told me, uh, just wait a bit, don't take any pick or video now, it's not the best moment. The best deal in history needs some time. And so that's why that's why we had an, always a nice relationship. I'm always been respectful and he's always been respectful. And so uh, I'm always been convinced that he was a game changer in this world. He was so respected by many clubs, of course, uh, by many players. Of course, there were people that were not uh, happy with him. This is part of the game. And I'm sure that uh, he wanted to be mentioned not just as a saint or as a fantastic one, but even with a part of, uh, of this agent who was ready to fight with everyone with the mission to do his best for the clients. He was ready for the war in case he needed, but the mission was the best for his clients and for himself, of course. So Mino was a game changer. He changed everything in the transfer market. He changed the communication around the transfer market and he's been a genius. This is my opinion. Perhaps the biggest testament to Mino Raiola's legacy is the way his players were touched by his death. He got a lot of hate in the world of football as a scapegoat for his players and because of the fact that he made a lot of money. But in the end, he was like family to the players he represented. He came a long, long way from washing dishes at his parents' Italian restaurant. I hope this podcast gave you some insights into how Mino Raiola operated behind the scenes and how he worked his way up, becoming the best-known agent in the world of football. May he rest in peace. I want to thank Fabrizio Romano, Marciano Vink, David Ent, Rodi Terpijn, Fabian Sporkslede and Willem Vissers for their interviews. Subscribe to this podcast in your podcast app to never miss an episode. And if you want to show your support, please give our podcast a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That would really, really help us. All right, my name is Sam Verraute. Thank you for listening and on to the next story in the home of football. Hi guys, thank you. I just filmed the podcast with 433. I'm Mario Götze. My name is Clarence Seedorf. Hi, I'm Sunil Chetri. I just finished my podcast with 433. Hello, 433 fans. This is Gibral C. Yo, what's going on, people? It's your boy, Adi Bayerakin Fenwa, a.k.a. Mr. Beast Mode. I just finished the podcast with 433. Hi, 433 fans. It's Don Robbie in the building, right? And we are here for a great podcast. I want you to check it out. Hi, 433. I am Fabrizio Romano. Check out my story on the podcast. It was a great pleasure.